Welcome into episode 125 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. Craig, this is where you jump in with your catchphrase. Natty Hatty! All right, now Craig's done. He can leave. This was uh, this was fun. Thank you for your contributions. You. See you guys. Thanks for the coffee once again. We've got, yes, thank you for the coffee. We've got the full lineup here. We've got you the coffee. Uh, we're going to speak through you to okay. each other, okay? Yeah, Craig, can you tell Luke that we're not talking right okay. now? I'm giving him the cold shoulder. In case you guys aren't aware of the current arrangement, I'm... I don't know how you would be since it happened over text. Luke's official spokesperson now. And this is a podcast. Legal representation yeah. uh, that there are issues with, with Jamie. Well, Luke wants increased compensation on the show. Uh, he, he wanted a luxury water bottle. Uh, and Smart I, water. I, I thought those requests were ridiculous, and I countered with nothing. Uh, he, Fiji, he thought that actually. was ridiculous, and we met in the middle. Did I get that wrong? Yes. I thought, well, see, his agent doesn't even know. Uh, well, now I have. I fickle, bought you a changes. plastic cup of water with exactly one ice cube, and you'll like and it. You know what? It hasn't. It hasn't melted, and we live in the desert, which it's makes me wonder if it's a real ice cube or not. Pretty disturbing, actually. Yeah. Craig brought me a coffee, the, and I brought myself some water. I guess, I'm loaded the cyanide over like here. reduces the amount of oh okay. of melting. Well, at least now I know what's in it. Um, Chris Schubert's here, so you'll be able to hear the podcast this week. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, wow. <laughs> hey, you know what? I proved that guy right. I proved that guy right. Instantly proved. Instantly proved. Actually, so, somebody somebody mentioned uh, on Twitter that they thought I did that on purpose just to troll that guy. Let's go with that. Sure, yeah. I did that. That's what you should go. To with. be fair, I am petty enough to do that. I just it wasn't Very the true. intention this no. time. That was like a, an accidental pettiness. But uh, yes, I can vouch that Jamie is definitely petty enough to do that. Chris. Let's, Welcome back. We missed you more than we realized when we recorded the show last week. And I'm sure you missed us, too, when, like, 35 minutes into the show, we're talking about the Islanders' fourth line and you fall asleep. You'll realize how much you missed us. Let's start with the hottest team in hockey. Any guess who that is without looking at your laptops? Neither one of you has a guess right now who the hottest (laughs) team in hockey is. I didn't know. I had to look it up before the show. It's Vegas. Yeah, I knew you were going to say Vegas. We were just talking about Vegas. Vegas is on fire. They're in first place in the Pacific Division. It's they've, ridiculous. They've won five in a row. It's ridiculous. They're supposed to trail off here at some point, right? Yeah, no one's told them they're supposed to be bad yet. I think, actually, no, <laughs> never mind. Everybody's Everybody told them they're supposed to be bad, them. and they're just not. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't get this. This is completely unexpected. I thought they would be clearly one of the two worst teams in the league, and they are very much not, no matter what happens the rest of the way. The... Uh, the Conversely, the two teams on the longest losing streaks right now are Philadelphia and Ottawa, with Detroit a uh, close third. So Matthew Shane trade is working out really well. Yeah, we'll he get, has one uh, goal in eight games. Do we want to open with Ottawa? We could. Okay, I, we can open right there with let's, Matthew let's Shane, who has one goal in eight games. What a great segue! And then when I asked you to repeat yourself, that made it even better segue. <laughs> yeah. They have to win the cup this year, right? That's that's the narrative from Canada. The Calder, from Matthew Shane. Yes, you have to win the Calder Cup this year. They're not winning any cup this year. They're not making the playoffs. They haven't They're scored not good. more than two goals in the last six games. Is that true? That is correct. Well, that's not going to work. Things are going well. They uh, even when they were playing the Coyotes, what was that? Two weeks ago now, they didn't seem as fundamentally sound defensively. Like, remember last year in the playoffs how everybody didn't want them to make it to the Cup because people wanted other people to watch the Cup? Yeah. they didn't. We, we wanted to be entertained yeah. and watching hockey. You didn't want to see one nothing games all the way through for seven games. They're not even really playing that good of collective defense this year. No, there's, there's nothing all that notable about what Ottawa is doing. And I, you know, I just... I, it, it's interesting because there are a couple teams we've talked about having flaws in the preseason that we were worried about. But they were good enough to get get it done last year. Two Canadian teams, Ottawa and Edmonton. Well, sometimes those flaws don't get masked for full seasons. And well, sometimes it, they're it, not around the whole time. In Edmonton's time. case, it happens too when you start trading away more good players. Yes, we, exactly. We'll get to that in a moment. That's another good segue. But we thought Ottawa was a flawed team despite their run last year anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I necessarily expect them to be... Completely inept on offense, like they are now, especially after the holding off Florida and Buffalo at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, uh, yeah. But we, I think, all of us thought that this team would slide out of the playoffs. I don't want to derail the show, but can somebody explain to me why my internet doesn't work here, my house, on my phone, or at my office? This sounds like another one of those legal complaints. Okay, we'll, yeah, we'll fix this up after the right, show. Yeah, it sounds I, like a you problem. Yeah, okay. Hey, Craig, tell Luke it sounds like a him problem. Uh, Craig, tell Jamie I'll see him in court. And uh, I'll speak to him directly there after I drink this non-melting ice cube over here. Uh, You mentioned Edmonton, as we do every show. Jordan Eberle. 
Yeah. Discuss. Well, you saw his comments, how he said it. It's difficult to play in Edmonton because there's so much coverage and they're basically telling you you suck all the time. Yeah. You read it enough and it hurts your confidence. Now, to be fair, they did suck all the time. Mm-hmm. They did. He didn't say they were lying. He just said that they point out what, at the time, were facts. And he pointed out there's less media coverage of the Islanders, which might, you know, at face value, people might think, huh, it's New York, but it's the Islanders, no, so it's, it's, it's not the Rangers. It's the New York's B team versus right, right. what else is the there? The one that's still team. looking for a home. But he, there, there are a couple sides to this. First of all, probably not a good idea to come out and say, yeah, the media criticized me, so it hurt my confidence and I didn't play well. That's 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 not what your coaches want to hear. That's not what a lot of people want to hear inside the locker room, right? Yeah. On the flip side, if you take a look at the pattern of criticism in Edmonton, I, I think Edmonton, in, in on one front in particular, I think the Edmonton media in large part treats analytics like Donald Trump treats climate change theory. They just haven't embraced the overwhelming evidence yet that, that there are some things to to look at here. I'm not saying you have to go fully down that road, but it's another tool, and it just gets dismissed in, in Alberta, it seems, at large. And I think that's part of what people – I think if you look at outsiders, our own Carolyn Wilkie was tweeting about this earlier today. The criticism is is sometimes – Used, they use blunt tools to do it. The, the criticism isn't warranted. This is a guy who probably had a subpar playoff last season, but we're talking about a very small sample size there for a guy who was incredibly consistent for Edmonton for most of his time with the Oilers. So to to single him out just seemed a little ridiculous. And, and to do it in the manner when, when you're, you're basically parroting some of the stuff you hear from the organization instead of diving into the numbers to see what they say about his play. Yeah. Pretty, pretty consistently a 25 goal scorer and a guy that broke the 60 point barrier three times, hit 76 points in his second year. I mean, he was terrible in the playoffs last year. I forgot he was on the team in the playoffs last year, but that's also the first time he'd ever been in the NHL playoffs. He's a good player. Yeah. They didn't get value. Small for him. sample size is what really kills you when sometimes you, you take too much away from it. It happened with, with Tyler Sagan in Boston. I mean, it, it, criminally low shooting percentage, that playoff run, then all of a sudden we had all these stories come out and then he's gone off the team. Connor McDavid did not have a strong playoff run, but nobody was going to run Connor McDavid out of town. And yes, I understand that. You have a superstar like that, he gets a lot more leeway than somebody like Jordan Eberle. But the problem is, is in Edmonton, is they're identifying the wrong reasons why they are losing. It's... I'm interested to see what happens with McDavid because you can look, and I'm sure it's been frustrating to cover the Oilers or be an Oilers fan up until they won the draft lottery in 2015 because they were getting that top pick every year and doing absolutely nothing with it. They essentially, I don't don't think they ran Taylor Hall out of town, but without him there, the criticism had to fall on somebody. It can't fall on McDavid. And that's that's what's going to be interesting to me is I don't think, Connor McDavid's having a great season. But he could go out there and just have a terrible year. He could lose. He could score in his own net in Game 7 of the playoffs if they ever get back to the playoffs, and the Edmonton media is not going to criticize him. Intentionally. Yes, and point to the, the, the press box and yeah. celebrate. <laughs> but, uh, but I do think it's going to, while I don't think local media and you know maybe some local media just around Canada in general is going to criticize him, I do think there's going to be backlash towards him where he's going to be overly criticized nationally here if the mm-hmm. Oilers don't win a cup in, like, a year and a half. Remember the narrative on, on Taylor Hall? He's a bad guy. You'll still hear that yeah. in certain circles. You hear he's a bad guy. Well, they, they don't think so in New Jersey. You well, talk to those people. They don't, they don't yeah. think so. When, when that narrative sort of went away, then it was he's just not very bright. Like, okay. It, it's, <laughs> like, what kind of narrative is that? One of the things I dislike the most about sports and sports media is the – and it, it, it doesn't happen in every market, but there are certain markets <coughs> – Boston. Boston, yep. Uh, where it happens constantly – this is not. That's not somebody, a criticism of a friend of the show, Kevin Paul Dupont, who who does not fall. Who does not know. And the city of Boston, which is one of my favites in the country. Yes, but, but where a player there. is yeah. traded or leaves town that wasn't particularly liked, or maybe they underperformed, then all of a sudden there are all these problems and air quotes with this player that happened, and suddenly get leaked at the same time. I love it when Jamie uses air Hate quotes that. on the podcast also, and like, then describes like, them. But like with with Edmonton, because I'm, I'm going to do another Jamie special and do a cross sport reference here. It's like looking back. A year and a half ago, and saying, you know what the Colts' problem are? We need to take away Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton. That's why they're losing, and that's what the Edmonton Oilers were trying to do. We've almost hit uh, natural hat trick bingo. Craig, I know. Craig has made a very 
not abstract, but above most of our heads. I just, I just well, yeah, I, I've analogy. got. And then Jamie Edmonton sucks. That, that's a square. We've yeah, got a free square. We're playing this next week, so uh, don't even she try rally, this. So you can you, you can take a shot for your drinking rally. game. You didn't mention him by name. I just name, did. Though. So okay, Shirelli. So take a shot. Craig and I are going to play this game. We need we need actually. Some uh, Red Wings coming up at some point. Uh, I brought so, him up, and he didn't take the bait. Okay. I, I know. So. Actually, somebody a listener needs to create the nat- Natty Hattie drinking game. But but Jamie, if if it's going to be bingo, Jamie can't see the card because otherwise it will influence yeah, the actual results. I can be bought. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it wouldn't take much. Like I mean, again, fair. The change that Craig poured out of that mug last time he, he drank water out mm-hmm. of it, I think that would be enough. Which, Money's by the way, I'm shocked you're still with us after that. And yeah. It's been like six months, so yeah. congratulations. I, I cleaned most of the rust out of it. <laughs> That's awful. Uh, the only thing that disappoints me about Everly making these comments now is he doesn't play in Edmonton until March 8th. This yeah. really feels like a March yeah. 7th comment to make, doesn't it? <laughs> Let's, yeah. let's really build Nine things goals, up. Nine goals, 17 points in 23 games on pace for, what, 61 points, which is, he, he did that a couple other seasons at Edmonton. Yeah. He's, he's a consistent player. Since we're just segueing perfectly from uh, topic to topic, even though we haven't hit the one I said we were going to start with off the air, uh, what about Matthew Barzal? What about the Islanders not Oof. being embarrassingly bad? They're good. Well, John Tavares, as I've long said, and I don't think you guys disagree with me, is, is maybe the most underrated superstar in the NHL, but they've actually put a couple pieces around him, and they did it the right way. You go, you get a good player in the draft, and then you look to Peter Chiarelli and you fleece him for a player. That is the that is the recipe for it's success method. in the NHL. And they're they're doing it. I, that felt like a setup for you. I, I know it did. I was like, well, yep, like that was the method. Josh Bailey's been really good too, by the way. I mean, I know I mean, Barzal's been phenomenal, and he's. I think his success is a little bit more sustainable, but... Bailey's been very good. It's nice when you have two centers and yes. also other pieces, Edmonton. But but to have two centers and look, I've 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 liked their blue line for a while. I, you know, I, I know they don't get quite as much attention as some of the other blue lines, but some of those pieces are pretty good. Um, Nick Letty is a, I think is a pretty good player, and the Blackhawks sure would love to have him back among you know seven or eight other players that they <laughs> shed for Stan Bowman reasons. An old <laughs> you're saying he would help that, uh, that quick sidebar. Who's back next year? A year from now with the Blackhawks. These these individuals are still with the team. Stan Bowman, Joel Quenville, Oof. both. Uh, neither's not possible. So which of those three options? I don't know. Okay, good. Thanks for playing the game. It'll be a power struggle, I would imagine. And don't forget, Scotty Bowman still has some influence with that organization. So I guess it would be a matter of whether ownership wakes up to the actual problem. Exactly, yeah. And says, it, enough. Because usually the GM likes usually wins that battle if the ownership's behind him at all. That would be a mistake. But as, I agree. As an outsider looking in, that would be a major mistake if, if Joel Quenville's not coaching the team next year. But, yeah, Nick Letty and didn't they basically within, like, a couple hours got yeah, Boychuk? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a heck of a summer for them, and I thought that was a game-changer for them, and it didn't prove to be, but... Now you add some pieces up front. This is a, a more complete team. And, of course, we've always known they had the best fourth line in hockey. <laughs> they paid like it. Which was a, a point of <laughs> emphasis also, which was sort of a curious move. But, yeah, to go out there and grab Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk off two teams that weren't going to be able to keep them for salary cap reasons and to do it in, like, the same afternoon, basically. Yeah. That's, it's not bad when you can just build a top defensive pairing off of other teams. It's not really... It's not recycling other teams' trash because those two teams wanted to keep their guys. They just couldn't afford them. But uh, yeah, they took it again. They took advantage of the situation, which is what all good GMs should do. My one concern is that their goaltending is still very iffy at best. Yeah, that's. Yeah, they really haven't done a whole lot to Thomas address. Thomas he's been eh, he's been okay. <laughs> That's perfect. See, people have no idea what you're talking about. But that's that is how he started every quote. That would, Thomas Grice, when he was with the Coyotes, was it had to be the happiest person I've ever met. Like everything yeah. was just happy and with a German accent. That that sums up <laughs> Thomas Grice. And he was good for the Coyotes when he stepped in. But now he's yeah. They had that run where every backup they plucked had a yeah. great season. Yeah. Devin Dubnik. Yeah. How many how many goalies around the NHL now had their career start as a Coyotes backup in like that three year stretch? Grice. Dubnik, I guess you named all of them, but whatever. It was a fun game. Sean Burke. Yeah. Yeah. Ilya Brzezgal. Well, the Coley Whisper. Al Montoya. Al Montoya. Hey, he's still... He's still uh, Matthew Barzal leading the rookie scoring race now, by the mm-hmm. way, in terms of points, not in terms of goals, but uh, 
23 points as we record this. Brock Besser has 22. Clayton Keller has 20. If you're Clayton just, Keller's in a bit of a slump. Yeah. yeah. If, Still. If you're just going by goals, Keller and Besser both have 11. Alex DeBrincat has 10. And now, another segue. Oh, look at you. This is remarkable. 10 goals. Yeah. And uh, he, he's tiny. No, Alex no, no. Alex no, no, no. Well, Let me be clear. Go ahead. Him being successful is not remarkable. Me making that segue is remarkable. DeBrincat was supposed to be good. But he, there's so many people that said he's too small to play the game at this level. And, you know, you've heard that about players. You, you do have to be exceptionally skilled, quick. You have to have other, you know, game-changing skills in order to play at that size. So far, he does. I mean, he's making an argument to move up to that top line, to be honest. But yeah, 10 yeah. goals so far. He, 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 wasn't even, he wasn't even with him at the start of the season. Hat trick last night, too. Yeah, had, yeah, had an amazing game last night, but was playing well before then. This is not well. Wow, he's had one or two good games in a row, and all of a sudden we're talking about him. He's been a solid piece for them all, all basically since they called him up. Somehow the Blackhawks are back in the playoff spot. And in spite Shocking. Of, in spite they're, of that blue line. To make the playoffs How did this happen? There's, there are just not that many good teams. So hopefully they add a defenseman at some point. We are seeing the same, literally the same pattern with two teams. Pittsburgh loses hey, their goalie. Nick Letty. And Dustin Bufflin. <laughs> You should bring them all back. Uh, you should else? get one do-over. Like, what yeah, if you had, like, one do-over? Awesome. We, we call it one the Bowman. One do-over. Bickle's contract would, would, would have been the one do-over. <laughs> no, you just get to yeah, pull one then, guy and back. And then you get the butterfly because, effect. Yeah, yeah, the butterfly effect uh, of that. Yeah, wow. Did I say Leflect? I La- think I did. Yeah, well, the butter, I wasn't I did a word. Right butterfry deflect? Is that what you said? Yeah, something like that. It sounds like something you something get at Carl's Jr. I have no idea what came out. like a butterfry deflect? At the state fair. Definitely at the state fair. You get the fried effect. It's just a Ew. Twinkie, like, glued to a Snickers. Do you find the State Fair to be cringy, too? <laughs> I, I, I haven't. Uh, so Chris went to the State Fair this year. I haven't been to the State Fair in, like, five or six years. Jamie's I too like, good for the State Fair. No, I just like having money. Oh, okay. Do you have money? I, I have more than I would have if I went to the State Fair. <laughs> they fry everything. I've never seen people so you, capable and the of frying everything. People, you know, I, I'm, I'm convinced that fried anything will sell. Yeah, it yeah, does. It, it probably would. Chris, didn't you have something, some special food item there? You can just yell it. Mac and cheese. Fr- was it fried mac and cheese? Fried mac and cheese. That sounds better that than sounds good. fried Coke, which well, they yeah. also sell. I don't even know how that's possible, how you could fry a liquid and well, eat it. Well, times I came back from the State Fair, I felt like I needed a shower immediately. <laughs> so I don't go to the State Fair anymore. <laughs> All right, so I would say next week we Remember record the, the podcast. Fair, the Coyotes Fair, where you would just stand in line forever. Yeah, that was more fun than the State Fair. I don't know. I just, there's a lot of hay at the State Fair. <laughs> and there's not really any explanation why there's so much hay. It's just a lot of hay. That was it. It's cheap. It's just well, I'm pretty good at that like, water gun squirt game thing. Yeah. Was, I won a giant Nemo at one point. We're, we're like, starting to... Like Finding Nemo? Yeah. Clownfish? Yeah. Peel giant. back some layers of Jamie yeah. Eisner. Wow. I had it for Are a while, can... and I have no discernible reason for did, it. Did you see it's Finding Nemo? I have I saw Finding Nemo a lot. I have not seen Finding Dory. Can you explain then why you are constantly hugging the Finding Nemo doll while you're driving? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, that's fair. I was just asking. That's my personal time and my personal space, and it's none of your business, Luke. <laughs> All right. I guess I guess I really can't argue with that. Um, the way the Blackhawks are set up and the way the Penguins are set up seems to be Pittsburgh, lose your goalie, and then just find a way to get over it. Chicago, don't have a defense, but call up rookies throughout the season, and they will put... Guys like Taves and Kane and Keith in position and Crawford to just get you back to the playoffs. For a team that has such a good scouting staff and developmental system, why can't the Blackhawks find defensemen? Why don't they have defensemen in their system? Because they gave them all away. Yeah, but even the guy, they, they keep developing these forwards, right? They've given away a lot of forwards, too. Yeah. They bring guys up, but the defensemen, they're all but failures. It, it takes longer to develop defensemen, True. and it feels like right when they develop them, they trade them. Right, or they give him away, or whatever. Like, if you're Stan Bowman, don't you? The next time you have to blow up this team or get rid of good pieces, don't you have to put an emphasis on keeping your defensemen? Because, like you just said, you would think you're pretty confident you'll just develop more forwards. The the probably the elephant in the room is Jonathan Taves, though. What are you going to do about that one? What do you mean? He just doesn't produce. You're not going to trade him. I, well, at least you're not paying him ten million dollars or anything. Oh, oh wait, you are. No, actually, you're paying him ten point five. Yes, if that helps. But here's something interesting. I'm going. I'm looking at the last few drafts for the Blackhawks, specifically the defensemen. There's just not a lot of like. Let's I don't know. Let's go back a few years. Let's go back to 2013. Uh, so Carl Dahlstrom, Robin Norell, Robin Press, three Swedish defensemen that 
apparently exist. Uh, Klaus Stahlbeck, Adam Clendenning. Stephen Johns. I mean, even these, I mean, Dylan Olson, these are all... Stephen Johns isn't terrible. It's just not a black These are all third-pairing, yeah. top AHL pairing. Right, and that's I mean, what I'm saying. Like, Braden so Birch. Somebody, their scouting system does a good job of evaluating forwards, but not so much on defense. I have a theory. They've, they've only spent two first-round picks on defensemen. And in 09, it was Dylan Olson, who's in the AHL right now. Right. And uh, remember this name? Cam Barker. I do. Ooh, I do remember yeah. that name. Didn't he play for... St. Louis, or am I imagining that? No, he just played for the Blackhawks against St. Louis. Maybe so that's they, yeah. So since they drafted Seabrook, Minnesota, did they trade into Minnesota? I don't remember. Now we're just asking each other questions. So about in back, probably not good. In back-to-back drafts, okay, the, in 02 and 03, the Blackhawks got Duncan Keith, James Wisniewski, Brent Seabrook, and Dustin Bufflin. Although he was playing forward for them, and then uh, since then, and, and many people still believe he's a forward, but I'd take him on defense nothing. right now. Whole lot of nothing. Here's my theory, okay? You have, as we've detailed on this show... Cam Barker did go to Minnesota. See, my memory yeah, hasn't failed completely. Oh. You can still remember was, where Cam Barker played out his career. Was he in Edmonton, too? For that? Nick Letty, right? Wasn't that the trade? Wow, now you're just going down the rabbit hole here. Okay. My, my theory with this... You know, some of it is drafting and, and how much of an emphasis you put on taking a defenseman in the first round. I get that, but... When you have the holes in your lineup that Chicago does, but then you have the just complete star players too, it's almost like when you – what's, what's the strategy? Jamie will know this. I don't know that Craig will in fantasy football where you just – Stars and scrubs. Stars and scrubs. That's exactly what the Blackhawks are at this point. That's, There's less and less stars though. Yeah. Now, but Timmy panarin has gone now too. But yeah. still more stars than it's a lot of teams have. Patrick Sod's a good player. Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. Mm, that's Taves. a line. Yeah. Sod. Sod and Taves. And then Line and then everybody else. But yeah. this, this is my theory. You can, let's say you have an equally talented forward prospect and an equally talented defensive prospect, and you put the forward up there, and a lot of times they're shoving him on Jonathan Taves' line, and you put the defenseman back there with another bad defenseman, he's going to get hung out to dry and look worse. I just think that even if they were developing these guys at the same level before the NHL, it takes longer to develop a defenseman, and then they're not putting young defensemen in position to succeed at the NHL level because they can't all play with Duncan Keith. Look at their system, though. Tell me who's a comer in a few years when they develop. I mean, that, you I mean, won't they, find one. Even in Edmonton, no. we talked about how bad they were. We talked about Oscar Clefbaum. We talked about Darnell Nurse. We talked mm-hmm. about those guys will eventually get there. Yeah. Some people said David Musil. That's, that's not happening. But there were at least pieces that we thought could get there eventually. And Edmonton's defensive core was garbage for a long time. I just don't, I don't see it here. I don't see it in Chicago. Also, by the way, you guys were right. Uh, Cam Barker for Kim Johnson and Nick Letty was the trade. Wow. Craig's Cam Barker knowledge is is. Borderline unflappable on at this point. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's switch over to Pittsburgh now. No, let's talk more about Cam Barker because I feel comfortable. February of 2010. We're obviously going to keep coming back to that. That's <laughs> going to be sort of the, uh, the foundation of the show today. Matt Murray, as we record this, I, we don't know what the severity of that injury was, but it looked pretty ugly against Philadelphia last night, which was Monday night. This, much like Chicago, seems to follow the same pattern where they just have a, a young player come up and sort of save them. Pittsburgh's got to follow the same pattern of having somebody step in for an injured Matt Murray. Tristan Jari is supposed to be, for the last couple of years, we've been hearing about how good he was going to be at the NHL level, uh, similar to how we heard how good Matt Murray was going to be at the NHL level for a couple of years before he came up. But I don't think Pittsburgh wants to have to use Jari right now, and they may not have to. Well, it looks like they're going to have to because a minute ago I'm reading yeah. a tweet saying that Matt Murray's injuries, it's, it's only believed to be in the two- to four-week range, which sounds to me like probably a, a, a sprain of some kind. Yeah. MCL sprains are often in that time frame, uh, but they recalled Casey, Smith, Casey DeSmith from the Ooh, NHL. This so. is a made-up person. Like Vegas is goalie. Casey the made up person. It doesn't really exist, right? Can we not spring bad Matt Murray news on me live on the podcast? Okay. Also, you, you want to take a moment? And, and Seth Rohrabaugh has now tweeted this as well. So he's been placed on in, injured reserve. So I thought you were going to say Seth Rohrabaugh is the emergency goalie at this point. <laughs> I'll ask. I'll, uh, he's a friend of the show as well. Can they get Marc Andre Fleury back? Is this possible? Yeah. Why they, need, why they already have enough injured goalies? Is that really necessary in my time of need over here? Uh, yeah, also, I don't think you get much sympathy from the Golden Knights about goaltender injuries. I don't think they're going to have much sympathy for the Coyotes. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, let's get to the Coyotes, but let's do it this way. Uh, first of all, to tweet into the show, at the Natty Hattie on Twitter. Okay, we have a question, so I'm going to ask that in just a second. And also, 
This is my brilliant idea. So if this works, I came up with this. If not, then just forget it. Napkin Jamie had this idea. But uh, after each podcast, we'll see how long I stick to this. Hopefully, Where's Napkin Jamie, by the way? Hopefully longer than the Lipinski. Hopefully longer where does, than Lipinski. Where does trash go from Peoria or, or wherever we are? North Phoenix. I, I have no comment. Where does it end up? <laughs> Why, you can't Where's set, the local landfill? You can't set non-Napkin Jamie up with comments like that. Can we start calling you non-Napkin Jamie? Or is that is it too uh, soon? I don't care. I'm not offended. Okay. Um, do you get offended? It, it's, it takes a lot. All right. Uh, I'm going, one of us is going to tweet out a poll question after each show based on something we discussed on the show. Yeah, that'll be you. So, it, yeah, let's be honest. It will be me. I, but, I, uh, I still actually do not have access to the Natty Hattie Twitter account. Oh, you want me to just give you the password right now on the mic? No, I'll do it <laughs> off the mic. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know what that question is going to be. We'll come up with it after the show. Spoiler, probably has like Sidney Crosby's name somewhere in the No, it's going to be based on, like, this is how this came about. I listened to part of the show last week, and then I realized I can't hear it because Jamie recorded it. So I went back the week before. And <laughs> can't the qu- hear my eyes rolling right now, but they are. Trust me. <laughs> the question, uh, it was, we had some sort of debate of whether or not the Ducks or the Blackhawks were going to make the playoffs. So that could have been a question. So I'm, I'm confident we're going to find a question coming out of this. At the moment, it's going to be about Cam Barker, though, so we should probably step up our game. Okay. So the question about, that was sent to us about the Coyotes from Joe... <laughs> I think that's, that's not a hard name to read. Joe, <laughs> no. Joe's a pretty common one. I didn't. Uh, yeah, it is Joe. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't uh, send it, the okay. actual name to myself. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you were having trouble with the three letters. Joe, J- Joe, 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 the Joe. It's a French pronunciation. Samsonite. I was way off. Okay. Do you think Clayton Keller will ever be a centerman at the NHL level? You you rarely see career. Wingers, and I know he's played a little. Something. I mean, everybody's played. This is like this is the hockey equivalent of baseball. Every good infielder played shortstop at one point, but that doesn't mean they're ever going to play shortstop again. Every good offensive player, for the most part, played center, whether it was in college or juniors or in triple A or whatever. To answer. I mean, uh, Steve Sullivan. I spoke to him about this yesterday. Actually, I was talking to him about Dylan Strome being. Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, I know. After I finished, I, I knew learning we how to read Joe. I had I had a feel for this one. Joe. <laughs> Joe. And he, he said, much like Clayton Keller, we think Dylan Strom could play center at some point. You know, for Clayton Keller, maybe not as a 19-year-old. That doesn't mean he's going to, but they are entertaining the possibility. I would think that has as much to do with what else they are able to acquire at the center yeah. position down the road as anything. Because they're still short one center in their, uh, in their depth chart. But I don't think that should be plan A. No, I don't either. Because they're when you when you look at the defensive responsibilities for a center and matching up against big centers like Connor McDavid in this division, I don't think that's a that's a good situation to put Clayton Keller in. Now he could he could make things hard for them at the other end, and ideally that's that's what you're trying to do anyway. You're making those guys defend, so maybe that's what they're thinking. But he's playing pretty well on the wing How for a 19 year old. This question from. Uh, Luke in North Phoenix. You, you guys had, like you, you stuttering over your own name. No, no, I was trying to come up with a fake you. name. Uh, you didn't we, do a good job. We don't know that it's my name. This could be Luke Robitaille writing into the show. I, I doubt it. Uh, how's it spelled? L U C. Do you like Clayton Keller better on the left side or the right side? Shrugging doesn't uh, translate. I, I to guess. Podcast. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll bite and answer the question. I guess the right side. Thanks. But thanks for really. I'm saying that with emphasis. I, I think but now that he's on the left. The correct answer is the right side. He was much more productive on the I, right I side. He was, and because he shot you know, off quicker. Yeah, that, and that's it. You can you can attack. You, you're on your forehand I, I facing towards the net. And, because he's more off, you know, more offensively gifted, and you go with that way. I mean, we had this debate with Bodker a while back when, when Tippett was moving in between the left side and when the right we, side. When we were bothering to debate about Mikhail Bodker. Yeah, back in the day. Still hasn't scored 20 goals, has he? Uh, total? Or in a season since then. He's getting a goal for every million he's making in San Jose. Well, that's a pretty good deal. I wish I could get that deal. I guess I'd still make $0. Let's go to uh, Dylan Strom then. Because okay. he's not starting out as a center in his uh, his call. Let's let's back up a little bit here, okay? Hi, Craig, do you want to talk about line combinations? You want me to back up? I thought you guys did want me to back up. I no. That created sound problems. You need to okay. stay closer to the mic. Okay. We, we need Figuratively back up. As Jamie said, we need to get you the, the Britney Spears uh, yeah, microphone I'm, for the I'm show. I'm still waiting. I mean, yeah, I know. Fully I, choreographed I'm working dance. on it. Tell Luke I'm working on it. <laughs> Tell Jamie I don't care. It's not my problem. 
Uh, so Dylan Strome gets called up from the AHL. This is where I want to back up to. I know people are panicked about him because he was drafted third two years ago behind two generational talents. And I'm not saying he's going to step in and be some amazing NHL player. Didn't Barzal go in that draft? Too? He did. Brock Besser went in that there draft. There are a lot of good players who went in that draft. I'll but but that. that's, that's the one thing I'm going to say. And I'll say it now, and I'm not going to say this in two years from now if we're still having this debate about Dylan Strome, but you just rattled off two of the top three Rookie of the Year candidates that were drafted the same year as Dylan Strome. So if he comes out and is an impact player now, this is not too late. He's not behind schedule yet. He's he's getting close to being behind schedule. But Brock Besser and Matthew Barzal, yes, both drafted the same year as Dylan Strome, and everybody loves them right now because they're productive rookies. Uh, wasn't the plan last year, even with Dave Tippett's coaching staff, essentially to start Dylan Strome off at the AHL level this year? Yeah, they would have liked for him to play in the AHL last year. Yeah, you know, they, they did, couldn't. You know, didn't, yeah, you couldn't. You didn't. They didn't think that the OHL was going to benefit him all that much. I mean, confidence, tearing up the league, fine. But, but yeah, you were already— He already knew he was that guy at the OHL level, but, I mean, that we can talk about the CHL-NHL agreement. Till we're blue in the face. We have. I hate it. That's a summer conversation. But that's, yeah, it, it hurt his development. No question about it. They would have liked to have seen him doing this in the AHL last year, and he he might have started the season with the Coyotes. But but so it is what it is. Isn't the plan on some level, whether they, this was intentional or not? They want him to go down the path that Brendan Perlini went down, who's a year older. Last year started in the AHL, was productive, nineteen points, seventeen games, gets to the NHL. Perlini's been just fine ever since. They're not the same player, but Dylan Strome, what, 26 points in 15 professional hockey games right now, that's as good as you can do at the AHL level. Right. Perlini got 14 goals in 17 games the year before, and he was drafted the year before Strome, so it is. Sullivan talked about that as well. It's a very similar timeline. They're even called up really close to the same time. So So that is the hope. Yeah, he has done everything you'd want him to do at the AHL level. Pretty much nothing left he can do, so that's that's interesting because if he doesn't he doesn't do what you is want he, to do at the NHL level. Player. What do you do at that point? And it's weird because he has been now dominant at small sample size, but dominant at the AHL level, dominant in junior. By the way, weren't him and Debrinket and Connor McDavid all on the same team in Erie that didn't win the Memorial Cup? Yeah. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, but Memorial Cup that's hosted by a team that maybe doesn't even belong in the Memorial yeah, Cup. Another, Are we talking about that one? I think we okay. have talked about yeah, that. Okay. So he's gonna, he's, the whole point here is he's starting at wing. How do yes. we feel about this? Don't know yet. I yeah. mean, he, he hasn't done it a lot. Nobody seems that concerned about it. And look, there are less responsibilities. That's that's the truth of playing wing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the reality is if, if you could have him have success at any position, that's what you need at this point. You're not getting that number one center out of him. It's not, it's not happening. I'd be, I'd be shocked at this point. Yeah. I, I, so if, I, you could, if, if he is you – would, you would like him to have success at center. It's a tougher position. It's harder to replace. It's more valuable. But if you can find some level of success that keeps him from being Sam Bowie – Right. Then, that's, I think that's it. Good. They just want Dylan Strome to be a productive NHL player now. Hold they don't on. care where, and they don't. I don't think even the Coyotes think he's going to be a number one center at this point. That is a cross-sport reference that's also 30 years Sam old. Bowie, I love that reference, though, because Michael Jordan came out in but the draft. They didn't Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon. Dylan yeah. Strome ahead of Connor McDavid. They wouldn't have done but, that. But Olajuwon was, you can understand Olajuwon yes. going first. Yeah, he had a pretty good career. Franchise did, center, okay. won two titles. Yeah. I think Bart was Bart the guy who went third yeah. won six NBA titles, and the guy that went second is and in this, Sam in this case, like Barzell's Barkley. That's the name of the well, podcast. Let's just compare that draft to the 1984 NBA draft. Yeah, no, next, for next week's Lipinski's list. Definitely next week's Lipinski's list, which is basically like Jimmy Kimmel saying we ran out of time for Matt Damon at the end of every show. <laughs> so if, if they can get any level of success out of Dylan Strom, even if that is a 50-point player on the wing someday – that is more valuable than trying to force him to be a center and him not being able to do it. And I like the baby step approach, too. You know, again, they didn't have a choice but to send him back to the OHL. They wanted to send him to the AHL. But you, you, you see some value in that, right? That he, he, he got to compete for a Memorial Cup. Captain, tore it up again, so built his confidence. World then you, Juniors. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff certainly helps a player's psyche. Then you send him down to the AHL. He knows he can play pro hockey at a high level because he did it at the AHL. And now you let him take another step. Don't throw Mm -hmm. the responsibilities of a center at him just yet. Let him start out on the wing, see how that works out. See if he can work some magic with Clayton Keller. Now, I know a lot of people are upset that Brad Richardson is the center on that line. But if you look at the Coyotes' lines... Somebody's got to play defense. Somebody's got to get back. That's exactly it. You've got a guy (laughs) who's responsible defensively. Look at how their lines are structured. Everybody says, well, he's got to play with skill. 
Well, there's there's other skill in the lineup too. Yeah. You, you, you really these first three lines when you look at them, they're balanced. And that's the whole idea. You've got a playmaker. You've got a scorer. You've got a guy who's going to be responsible defensively. Also, if they all start at the same point, Richardson's getting to the other blue line before before Strom is, so I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, Richardson is a fast skater. Richardson's that's, that's fast. Sort of I, think people, I think people have kind of forgotten. Yes, he's not going to be – Richardson's not a 50-point player at center, but he can accentuate positives, especially on a, a fast line. And not that that line is necessarily a fast line, but he's not going to slow them down. This, right? this is Strom what, is still the slowest player on that line. What I would say about Strom and – I mean, at this point, there's no point in even really speculating. Like, we're going to see what he can do at the NHL level. But you have to remember, he had 240 points over the span of 124 games in two seasons with Erie. That's why he—there's a reason he was the third pick in the draft. Now, you can say maybe the Coyotes— he was the clear third pick, too. He he was. I mean, that's not—I don't want to be revisionist. He was clearly the third choice. There was also clearly a big gap between the top two and him. And there were also clearly concerns about his skating. Yes. So those were all factors. So the concerns that are still here today were there on draft day. But, but odds are they weren't taking somebody else three, and almost anybody else in the league, I would guess, would have also taken him number three. So he was sort of, at that point, ahead of schedule. Now he's spent the last, at least the last year, taking baby steps, which again weren't his fault, or he had no choice. It wasn't the Coyotes' fault. They had to send him to junior, like Craig just said. But he's made the most of every step along the way. I'm interested to see what he can do at the NHL level now, because again, he's not behind schedule yet. I know there's this perception that it's a failure if he doesn't step in and be a number one center, but what you have to remember is Rick Tockett didn't draft Dylan Strom. John Chica didn't really draft Dylan Strom. He wasn't the GM yet. So if they just get a productive NHL player out of him at this point, that's that's good enough, right? Or maybe not good enough, but that's what they're shooting for. Well, the reality now is is you've already drafted him. And you, you drafted him because he was a center. I get that. I mean, so, you need a center. But you, but you're not, your job is to then get the best out of all the players you're drafted. And yes, we can go back and say there was a mistake. They should have drafted these five guys. They can't go back and do that. The, draft, the pick's already been made. So now how do you maximize his value that helps the team the most? And don't you think it matters, though, that it wasn't this regime that drafted him, too? So sure. You're not tied to, well, we took him third. He has well, to it, be a it number matters one center. For, it, well, it matters for, one, how open they are to, A, keeping him on the roster and where they put him on the roster. There's less of the, he was my guy. I got to prove that I was right, which, again, happens in sports all the time. Absolutely. And, and, and that's why I was go, – to go back to what we were talking about before, he's, he's done everything that – he's obviously – he's not going back to juniors anymore, but he's done everything he can do at the AHL level as well now. They, they know he can tear it up. Yeah, I mean, that line with Nick Merkley and Lawson Kraus was – they were dominant. It was incredible to watch. But Steve Sullivan said it himself. He said, at what point has it become a negative, him being down there? He can't accomplish anything more. So the only thing you can do at this point is bring him up to the NHL club. Now, if he struggles – and he can't produce for you, yeah, well, that, since he's not your guy. That's, that's, that's the point where you say, okay, time. it might be time to move on. That's a change of scenery time. But we're not there yet, I guess is no, my thing. No, we're just starting lot, this, this experiment now. A lot of people are acting like we're already there. Like he's just done well, and... He's not going to be the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be. He's not going to be the player that the two people that were drafted above him will be. He's it's, never, just, it's not he's happening. Never gonna be, he's never going to be Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid. I still think he could – it wouldn't shock me if he's a decent center in this league in two years. We're, we're not at that point where that's done yet. It's just – You just have to reset expectations. Yeah, and I think you that's probably the You can't think of it, well, this is the third it. overall pick. You have this thing. You know what? Sometimes it doesn't matter. The, 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 the Coyotes took a guy last year – was last year or two years ago, 16th overall, and he turns out to be the best defenseman they've drafted since Ekman Larson. Yeah, I mean – So sometimes that happens. That's so you can't get caught up in draft position later. Sort of the luxury the Coyotes have – well, just saying that sentence almost doesn't even... I wonder if the Coyotes ever had a luxury handed to them. But they they have enough other prospects right now where they suddenly... They don't need Dylan Strome to be some elite prospect to get some... Ideally, yes, you need a center. Yeah, they still need a number one center yeah. on this team. And that's that's why Brad Richardson's playing where he is right now, right? Yeah. He's, he's a, playing third-line center for the Coyotes in terms of minutes, both you know overall and five-on-five, five, but... Ideally, he's your number four guy, but you have a number two center in Derek Stepan, you have a number three center in Christian Dvorak, and you have a number four center in Brad Richardson. You don't have that guy at the top. Do we think he stays with the team for a while now, or is this uh, let's give it a week, see what he does, maybe Well, bounce. based on what Sullivan said yesterday, I, I don't know what value you have in sending him down unless he's, you know, if, he, if he's an utter disaster, yeah, I mean, if he's you a can't train put, wreck, you're not going to put him in the lineup just to... Yeah, you're not going to just, you don't want a healthy scratch But him. if he goes back down... That's he, not a good sign. I think if he goes back down, you're trying to trade him. Yeah. 
Because if, if he's a disaster to the point where you're saying, well, he's either going to play fourth line or be healthy scratched, which is going to kill his trade value, then I guess you send him back and hope somebody else says, hey, well, we can fix this guy. But it's possible. I mean, his first couple games at the NHL level, he might – they're not his first games. I know he played a few last year. But his first games, Edmonton and Calgary on this road trip, he might not be productive in his first two games. I, I mean, you don't necessarily need to see instant production. You just want to see flashes of success. Yeah, you got to. He's got to adjust, of course. He's, you got to give him a little brand new time. line mates, and this is a different level of hockey. But if, but if we're he sitting is playing here, with, yeah. he is playing with Clayton Keller, which could help. But if we're sitting here at the Christmas break, and we we watch this game and go, there's nothing there, then it's a problem. How much of the the rush to sort of write him off by a, a decent majority of the population is the fact that Ryan Strom hasn't done much in the NHL. Is, I, there, is there any sort of tie? how you can tie those two things together. He's, I think that's saying more you should. from the you outside. Think people have. Yeah, no, I'm saying outside, not from the Coyotes. I think it, it may have something to do with it. I just think it's bad analysis. I agree. Yeah, well, I I'm just yeah, saying from, fans, from the outside. Yeah. I think fans but, just look at it like... I think it goes more to what Jamie's talking about where you have expectations for the number three pick. Dylan Strom's not going to be that guy. He's not going to live up to what a number three pick in the draft should be. That's not going to happen. What they're trying to do is make him a productive NHL player now. We should all point out, too, the kid's got the right attitude. Like, as much as I'm sure he wanted to be at the NHL level last year, he did everything he could to sort of embrace going back to junior and being on Team Canada in the World Junior Championships. And he does, he's not somebody that, you know, you give him direction and he just kind of rolls his eyes and does his own thing. He is, sounds crazy to say, but he is trying. Like, he is trying to soak in everything everybody's telling him. So. If, yeah. if he doesn't make it, it's just going to be a talent thing. And, and Sullivan did say yesterday they saw some of the other things that they were – you know, pace of play was something that Dave Tibbet talked about as well. Well, they feel he's made strides in that area. And that's not just skating fast because he is who he is. He's done all that work with Don Braid and maybe improved 10% as a skater. This is who he is as a skater. Yeah. But they're talking as much about recognition, being, being able to make plays at NHL speed. Yeah. They wanted him to support the puck better, be the second guy in instead of just waiting for the puck to come in. He's done those things down in Tucson. So he's taken strides in those areas. And again, they feel like he's done all he can at that level. My uh, laptop just proceeded to stop working, so now I'm going to go off memory for the, uh, the show topics. Carey Price. He's been back. okay since he's been back. Yeah, he's, he's a decent goalie. What, one goal in two games? I really want to do something on this show. I don't know how we're going to do it, but basically where we, the three of us collectively come up with, I don't I don't want it to be the same list that every hockey publication puts out, but somewhere mid-season where we just come up with our 10 to 15 players that, are, that we would want for the rest of the season. So I'm just springing that on you guys now. I don't know how we're going to do it. We need more guidelines than me just saying something like this. But... Carey Price is a major reason why. I want to see, and I know we discussed this a little bit a couple weeks ago, where he would end up on your, we're drafting goalies for the rest of the season. He's still probably my top option. And I know Sergei Bobrovsky has been lights out. But I'm just saying for the rest of the season. I'm not saying his contract. I'm not saying, I'm just saying who are the best players right now. Make that list. I mean, everybody healthy, Price. Okay. if If you're not factoring in health, I mean, if you factor in the health part, it might be somebody else. But he's very good. I think the guidelines would be, and look, people can write in to at the Natty. Yeah, what should the guidelines if be? They wanna... Because maybe we do something where we do a truly most valuable list. I would where say it's not just most outstanding; it's most valuable to his team. Yeah, yeah. And this guy assume they're healthy right now, or assume they're healthy going forward, and it is for the the rest of the season. You're starting a team, and it's just that simple. So, age doesn't really matter unless they're. Yarmir Yager, and you don't think they're going to hold up for the rest of the season or something. But just who the best players are right now, that would be the list. And we'd have to come up with it, and I'm sure we wouldn't agree on any of them, which would just be fun. Um, 73 gonna, of 74 shots he stopped in the two games since his return. He's going to save Montreal, and they're going to win the Cup? Well, I don't think well, they're going to win the Cup. Happening. Calder? They're, they're so far down, I don't even know if they're mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs. But if they do, it'll be because of him. Yeah, yeah if you is just it, go is, by most is valuable. Is it a four-horse race in that case? Is it Bobrovsky, Price, Crawford, Quick? I think they're that that could be really the top. dropped off too. LA's dropped off. Yeah, they've, they've struggled recently. Yeah. I, I still want to beat the drum for Corey Crawford. Yeah, because he's do got too. no help. I do too. He's got he's got so little help, and he's playing so well the last what, three years now. Yeah, it just just doesn't get any love. It's which it's is odd in Chicago in such I, it, a that, huge market. That's very odd to me. Right? It's bizarre. Well, I feel like people look at Chicago and they just think Patrick Kane. 
I think that's the point we're at right what now. That, what does one have or, to do with or, the other? Or is it because, because they like, don't think of the goalie. They think of the goal. It's goals. interesting. I wonder if it's because Chicago had such mediocre goaltending for so long. Like, it, it was a thing. It was, oh, Chicago's great, but they don't have the goalie to get them there. Even Corey Crawford. when If you remember when the Coyotes yeah. beat him in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, the two goals Mikhail Bodker the scored no, in overtime the no, the were no awful shot goals. goals. Yeah. Yeah. The no-shot goals? Yeah. yeah. It really helps your shooting percentage when you can score without taking a shot. <laughs> uh, Winnipeg is written on this piece of paper, but I don't know why. Uh, because that, I believe they have the seventh fewest goals allowed, which is what we all saw coming when the season started. Um, yeah, no. 2.67 goals against. Yeah, so maybe we're wrong about Paul Maurice, but but not Mason. Uh, really no, I think Connor we were Hellebuck wrong here. about where Connor Hellebuck was in his development. Yeah. I think that was where we were wrong. Well, see, I was banging the Connor Hellebuck drum a year ago. I was just apparently a year off. But do you really think we were wrong about Paul Maurice? Because I don't... Not yet. I don't recall any of us... And correct me if I'm wrong, you guys can speak for yourselves. I don't know why I'm allowing that, but I guess there's a first time for everything. I thought I was supposed to speak for you. Yes, you can speak for yourself and for me. <laughs> okay. If you look at Paul Maurice coming into the season, at least my, my stance wasn't he's a terrible coach and they need to fire him. It was just you don't need to give him an extension so you can't fire him if yes. you need to. Yes. Yeah, well, we said we, we were very clear where the issue was in, in Winnipeg. And right now it looks to be solved, which, at least for the moment... Also, a kind of kind of reminder of the, the non-linear progression of young goaltenders, young players in general, but, but young goaltenders, I, and it, it happens. It happens. Throw mine out the window now. That takes the cake. Jamie with, with, with quarterbacks in the NFL as well. It's just, it, we we kind of expect well, they're going to take a step forward and a step forward and a step forward and a step forward, and it's really just up, down, up, down, up, down. Oh, that would be like a non-linear progression. It would be a non-linear progression. You painted a very vivid picture for us, and you're right. Winnipeg has, has potentially solved their goalie issue, and it appears they and did everything it accidentally. else has been fine. And everything else was ready for a playoff. Well, yeah, run. they they were loaded up front with young. And Blake Wheeler continues to be the most underrated star in hockey. I know that's cover you know plug your ears, Arizona Coyotes fans. But I still think it's the most overlooked story in terms of the draft lottery of the last couple of years that Winnipeg was able to just kind of slide up and get Patrick Line. Like it was ridiculous that Edmonton got McDavid, but that was ridiculous because they kept getting number one picks. The most ridiculous of the last couple of years was Winnipeg getting Patrick Line. Because they had, like, the seventh worst record. They were exactly tied with the Coyotes that year, remember? Like, mm-hmm. Toronto getting Matthews, they had the worst record. Edmonton getting McDavid, they had the third worst record. They weren't good. Buffalo getting Eichel, they were terrible. Winnipeg getting Patrick Laine, who's, like, a 40-goal scorer, and they really weren't that bad that year, that yeah, was I think a you can look at last year's lottery, too, and well, say yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah, Philadelphia. None of those guys are Patrick Laine, yeah, though. But, uh, Philadelphia was 40 points ahead of Colorado. 40! And they dropped it ahead of him. That was absurd. And look what they're doing with him. He's hurt, and they've lost eight in a row. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Roberto Luongo. I like We've run out of the 200th win. Is that what it was last We've run out of the transitions because I don't have anything other than I scribbled down the name uh, Luongo. Yeah. He, he became the second goalie in NHL history to win 200 games with two different teams. But, of course, we all know him for his Twitter handle. Is yes. he a Hall of Famer we love yet? Him for that. In your mind? Is he... He, would, he was on that borderline when we had this discussion. Yeah. Of, uh, he was so good in Vancouver. He's mm-hmm. never really been on any great teams. Like, Vancouver was really good for, what, two years? Maybe three years? They were really good for, like, two years, and he was a major reason why. But he's spent a lot of his career on pretty on, mediocre yeah. Florida teams. Well, I mean, he spent a majority it's still in, in Vancouver. But I, it's interesting because he's going to get I, – I do wonder how much – Cups and goaltending will get talked about, although you could, there's a guy in Montreal that is going to have that discussion had with him when his career's over as well. Is he ever going to win a cup, Carey Price? Not with the Canadians, he's not. Oof. So I would be, I'd be surprised. Does that team look like it's primed for a cup run anytime soon? No, and they don't seem like they know what they're doing now either. It's remarkable how consistent uh, Roberto Luongo's numbers are between those two teams you just talked about. Of course, he had the year with the Islanders as well, less than a year. I forgot about that. Yeah. So did he. But... Nine nineteen career save percentage. He's yeah. It's the consistency is the biggest deal. It's it's what we always talked about with Lundqvist was the most amazing thing wasn't that he was amazing. It was that he was so good every single year for so long at a position, especially in the last five to seven years, has had a lot of ups and downs and ups and downs and stars, and then they're they're not as good the next year, and it's. It's remarkable what he's been able to do. I think he's in that conversation. He's had, he's only had one season where his save percentage was below nine thirteen, with Florida or Vancouver. How crazy is it that That's he's pretty good? Spent nine and a half years with the Panthers. 
when you go back to the and he spent yeah. the five years at the start of his Panthers, career. Vancouver Panthers, yeah. I mean that's that's a lot of years of the Florida Panthers. He must he has to be like if you put together the Panthers all time team, he's obviously the goalie, but he might just be the the all time Panther. Who else would it be? I can't. I remember oh. almost nothing about the the. Were they a Cup final team that lost? They were your team like yeah. two years ago. Remember? I, I I don't know what happened. That that team has I too do. many they got good rid of their young players. Well, yeah, maybe if they had the coach that's in Vegas. Yeah, he Th- that, that team decent. is five times as talented as the Vegas team on raw talent. Yeah, but they and have they are talent. not even as close to as good of a team. I think it's all that, that military training they do before practice every day. You think <laughs> that's it? With it? Yeah. Uh, last thing I have, the Anaheim Ducks, this poor team. Um, at what point, and they're still hovering right around a playoff spot and it's still early, but again, we've passed Thanksgiving, which is, it's like 78, 79% of the teams that are in the playoffs at Thanksgiving make the playoffs over the last, what is it, 10, 15 years? It's been, it's been a while now. Um, they're hovering right around it. The only reason they're hovering and not just in is because they have just been decimated by injuries. Now they've lost Ricard Raquel to... This is this reminds me of what, what Columbus three years ago, mm, yeah. where they just every time they turned around they had a major injury. It's I don't know what you do. You, you there's no way you can prepare your team for this many injuries to this many key players. There's nothing you can do. And the reason I bring it up now is the road trip they're on goes through L.A., Chicago, St. Louis. They've already lost those three games. Then Columbus, Nashville, and Vegas. So that's your six game road trip against all playoff contenders, and you basically don't have anybody left on your team. What, what do they have now? Corey Perry and uh, Silverberg. Really, right? Yeah. I mean, they've got good goaltending. I just, I don't think they're going to drop out of out of the, the playoff race, but there does come a certain point where you've just lost so many players that you fall too far behind, and then you're just trying to make up ground in the last month of the season. And with this team, too, and again, I, I like their blue line. And they've got a couple players that you just mentioned, Silverberg and Raquel, who are younger forwards, who are talented. But Raquel's hurt. It's about Ryan Getzloff and Corey Perry, too, and they just get a year older. It's just How long does their window stay open? And their window's open this year. I do right? think we so, agree, too. Right? I mean, we, I think we... One of we, you we, had them winning the Cup. I didn't have them winning the Cup, but I, I had them going I, to the Cup final. Or in the Cup. I had them in the Cup final okay. with Tampa. What did you have? Same. Okay, and I had Tampa and... I think I had Chicago. I had Tampa and Chicago. Yeah, we all had Tampa. Yeah. And we just had... Oh, you had Chicago. And we were all right about Tampa, by the way. We can just pencil them in at this Well, point. they haven't won the Cup yet, but no, yes, but they, they look very good. a tiny skid here. So that's if you're looking for a good team that might miss the playoffs in the Western Conference, it's probably not going to happen. But if you're looking for a team like that, Anaheim, this is the way to take them out. Just have all of their players hurt so they can't uh, actually win games. And that's sort of where they're headed right now. This is a big road trip, and they've started uh, 0 for 3. All right, that's going to do it for us. Anybody else have anything? Jamie's literally walking I'm out literally of the studio. Walking out on you. Okay. Well, if Jamie's not here, I don't want to keep doing the show. Do you? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I really didn't know how to respond to that. <laughs> With him still in the room, you yeah. couldn't say what you really yeah. felt. Well, yeah, we'll get to that we'll later. Wait now. We'll, we'll wait until Jamie walks I've out. Got, and I've got papers for you to sign. We'll say our, our real thoughts here. And the door is closed. Okay. All right. Now we're going to do the real podcast. You ready, Craig? <laughs> Let's start back over with Dylan Strom. Okay. All right. For Jamie Eisner, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.